0: who are called to follow Jesus the most important thing that we can understand is that Jesus is not looking for fans you know friends I was thinking you know about you know the whole Facebook and Instagram that everybody wants to have a fo- everybody wants followers and fans and friends and all of this I'm, I might I just I, I I'm, I'm very disassociated from all of those technologies that just have no appeal to me uh, at all but um but that's how it works you're looking to gather you know all these friends and then when you have this friend that makes you feel much more important than probably you really are because all these people and and then and then you can drive everybody crazy by sending out every little notification and and responding to every little thing and then all these things it's like anyway jesus uh, was not on earth looking for fans he was looking for followers okay he didn't uh you know it he said to those, who, specifically to the, to the twelve, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men and a variety of different... But it, and, and their response was to drop their life and what they were about at that time and just get on board and uh, and see where uh, following Jesus would actually lead them. So a, a a major part of that whole aspect, you can be a fan of Jesus. You can be a, a friend of Jesus. Those are, you know... But to be a follower of Jesus means that there are going to be disciplines to be established in our life. Would you agree with that? I would hope so, because what Jesus called to himself were disciples. And of course, obviously, the the whole concept there is grounded in this idea of discipline that peop- these men uh, that he called came and learned his lifestyle and learned how he lived and then practiced how he lived or, or attempted to attempted to put into practice as we do to um, and it requires in order for our lives to become fruitful um, in terms of our relationship with the Lord it is absolutely essential that we would embrace the concept of uh, discipline because if I'm a disciple um, discipline is essential so anyway in in the uh, Sermon on the Mount Jesus points out um, D- sir, three three disciplines particularly that these classes are really good i can't see with them and i can't see without them How how is this happening i don't <laughs> um anyway um so jesus points out three and uh, we'll take a, a look at them i mean essentially they are when you pray when you fast when you give okay and those are all things that I'm kind of glad we've got a, um, if we're going to have a, a number, of, if we're going to have a small number of people in church on one particular Sunday, um, I'm good at, well, let's get it over with this Sunday, because I'd like to, I really would like to share this with us as a church family, because these things in terms of praying, and praying corporately, and praying towards certain ends, and fasting, and fasting corporately, and fasting towards a certain end, or in order to receive um, God's direction for our for us as a church and you know what he has forced uh, coming in this uh, new year of 2022 and then giving is another area where all of those all of these three things Jesus doesn't say if but he says when right and pretty much everybody knows that so when you fast when you pray when you give and then he offers certain instruction and he offers this instruction in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, now the Sermon on the Mount is more than just, let's say, um, the high points of things that Jesus liked to uh, share when he went out to preach, or let's say a compendium of his of his you know major thoughts. The Sermon on the Mount is a radically unique perspective, taking everything that was set in the Old Testament. And moving it forward because Jesus is not bringing to us the Old Testament like kind of um, hash rehashed or the the the, the entire the gospel like in in uh, I, I, I have all these verses we'll we'll get to them at some point. Um, but when Jesus came and says Jesus at that time Jesus began to preach um, the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, "Repent! The time is fulfilled." Uh, Change your mind and believe the good news. This is essentially the the message. So Jesus was not bringing a rehashed Judaism. Although, he does say at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law and the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For truly I say unto you, until... until heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or one tittle shall pass away until all things be fulfilled. So it's important that we understand that Jesus is not here to abolish Judaism. He's here to upgrade it. And that's exactly what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. It takes all of these themes and concepts that were a part of the Old Testament law because Jesus Jesus is coming to us with an, with an entirely different basis for our relationship with god other than law john chapter 1 <clears throat> says for the law came through moses but grace and truth came through jesus christ and so it's it's a different approach to god it is not inconsistent with the old testament it's just a better understanding of it a richer fuller understanding of it and so when when jesus comes to uh, begin his ministry he comes proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of god there's the difference in other words we have now come into the kingdom of god old testament israel was a very specific work that god was doing through a very specific people for a very specific purpose and that purpose ultimately was fulfilled in the coming of christ himself the entire Old Testament was working towards that one thing: for Christ to come and then to complete or fulfill, or yeah, to complete the work of redemption, so that then the thing could move out of simply the the idiom or the 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 uh, uh, the group of Jewish people, and then could go into. All the world, and uh, when we were when we were um, looking and teaching in the book of uh, Ephesians over the last little while, Paul mentions this whole idea of the mystery. You'll recall in the first chapter he talks about he has made known to us the mystery of his will, and then in chapter three he says the same thing. If you have heard about the mystery of the dispensation of the grace of God, which has been given to me, so Paul is, is, and 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 I remember we, you know, I focused on that whole idea that what what is this mystery that he's talking about? Well, what he's talking about is that if if we had asked any Jewish person at that time what is God's will, they would have said. To restore the kingdom to Israel to put Israel back on top to fulfill the, the promises made to Israel and what Paul discovered is that's not that is not the will of God at all the, re, the, the, the will of God is now that all might be saved and might come in might come to Christ to the Jew first but also to the Greek to everybody, that God is doing this new thing in which the the entire fulfillment of his plan is found in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, um, when when we get to the Sermon on the Mount, again and again, if you go back and check it out, you'll read, you have heard that it was said by them of old time, okay? And then he goes through any number, there there must be six, eight, ten different sayings like that. you know some of them the you have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy but I say unto you love your enemies do good to those who, um, despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. For He sends forth rain on the evil and on the good, and, send, and causes His sun to shine on the just and on the on the unjust. Be you, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. You have heard that it was said by them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has already committed adultery. And and again, Jesus takes all of these things that were like legal. Um, uh, ordinances laws right in the Old Testament of course not committing adultery is one of the top ten right and 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 all of these things that he brings up um, he brings up to say that you know that it was it was kind of laid out in a certain legal framework in the Old Testament but I'm telling you you've got to understand these things more deeply from your heart because the heart is the basis to to just simply have a perfunctory external obedience and this is where the discipline idea comes in that in order for us to follow the Lord there'll be numbers of disciplines that I will put on me I won't put them on Carl or you but I, I will the Spirit of God will put them on me and I will have the choice to walk in those disciplines and what I have discovered is when I have walked in spirit-directed disciplines, good things happen. Actually, there is a response to it. Again, we'll, we'll uh, take a look at this um, if we ever get to uh, the notes and the slides and stuff. But the response to all of the three things that Jesus talks about when you fast, when you give, when you pray, is this. And the Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. And that's a wonderful promise, isn't it? That's an amazing promise. The Father, it's, it's, it's kind of, you really could think of it as kind of a threat and a promise. You know, because fa- it works on, but it, it's a two-edged sword for sure. The Father who sees in secret shall reward you openly. So if what's going on in secret is not particularly good, it might be a good idea to, uh, you know, kind of like cut that out because, um, because the greatest law in, in, in this world and law, in the word of God, is that do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whoever sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but whoever sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. Right? So, the Father who sees in secret, that's the important thing. Our lives are always being observed by God. Every attitude every gripe every complaint every kindness jesus says if you give a cup of cold water in my name you won't lose your reward for that they're very gracious benevolent kind good god but he looks beneath the surface the surface is you know man looks upon uh, the outward appearance but god looks upon the heart um, god spoke to saul so anyway um with this in mind we're going to jump into this 21 days of fasting and and praying should accompany that and the fasting thing in my from my point of view one of the mistakes that can easily be made is to think that somehow or another i can get god to do what i want him to do boy is that a mistake (laughs) that is is just a total mistake because if we if, if god Because God has such a good heart and good will that we wouldn't we wouldn't dare want to challenge it he's he's already working things out he's already working things through and he has the best in mind for all of us and so. So at different times in my life, I know you, you, you kind of feel like maybe there's a, a person who is sick or a situation that seems to be a mountain, something you can't seem to get past, something you can't you can't get through, and you feel like I'll fast and I'll pray and I'll you know. But I think the fasting thing really just enables us to take time away from something that we truly love, eating. Right and to take some time away from that and offer that time to god and again and and when that is done as a personal discipline and something that just happens between um any of us ourselves and the lord the father who sees in secret shall reward openly and so um that's that's kind of Basically, what I had in mind to share with you this morning, although I, I do want to show you a couple of things with this in mind, and I'm, I, I really debated back and forth as to whether to go here or this morning, but this is something that has just recently come up. This may be, this may be the Lord. This may not be the Lord, um, but something that has just recently come up in terms of, what, um, what a, a future thing for us as a church body, and and where to go now I mean I, I'm, I am filled with I have extreme gratefulness <laughs> I really do walking around this place and seeing what has developed here and how God has so blessed you know I, I, I can remember when we were meeting in my basement of a house that we just bought out here in Oak Ridge and and, and here we are and then over the course of time having bought this place back in 96 and then little by little we've kind of worked on it and fixed it up and so it is it, it's it's beautiful now it's wonderful the wonderful place for us to gather together isn't it I mean God is so red with location I mean it, it really I mean there's parking you just I hope you noticed the parking lot um, got done you know a while ago tell Randy by the way he did a great job because he does you know like it, it it is such a blessing to have a man from our church family, a man like that, who will jump on that project. Like he's—that's ministry, right? That's ministry going on back there. That's different than a job. The guy who can just come in and like pave a parking lot—he's ministering to the. It's wonderful, isn't it? And that's how. And and that's true for for everybody in our church family. That we you know there've been projects and things and things to give to and things that we've worked on together. Now we look at it and think, "Ah, it's great. It's really great. It was ministry because we worked together and served together and got to know each other. And that's a really really important aspect of the growth of a church fellowship. So um <laughs> so i'm amazed by you know what god has done here and uh, I, I, I i just it just blows me away so this may be um like what's next now this uh this place is a place that's here in town probably about like 6 8 miles and and maybe just as a word of caution like if you do discover where this thing is, I wouldn't just go up there and start prowling around. And you know, don't make a pain in the neck out of yourself. Um, you you can kind of drive around it, but there, there's there's a a man who lives here on this location. His name is Brother George. He's a Capuchin father. No, I'm not a father. He's a Capuchin brother, and um, he's been living in this building for about probably 25 to 30 years. And the owner. Um, If anybody, no one really knows who owns this building. Um, uh, This brother George has been designated the administrator, um, legally uh, 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 designated the administrator of this property, and um, uh, and he is he resides there now. He's the only person that does live there. Now um, this this has got quite an interesting history to it. This piece of property and this particular building. This was built by the Ringling Brothers in 1916. Uh, and, and the Ringling Brothers used to come to town here in Oak Ridge, drop all their animals off right down here uh, at the uh, railroad station where it crosses Oak Ridge Road, and then they would march all of their animals down um, and, and house them there in the wintertime. And those, all those buildings that you see down there by Lake Swannanoa were all part of that whole thing. And, um, and it, it, this is quite an interesting, it's a national historical site. and. So, so here's how this came about. Um, my son, as a gag, um, shot me this, uh, the ad for this thing from Zillow, and, uh, and he said, this is just exactly what I need. I need my own private mansion and my own personal chapel. <laughs> and we had a good laugh over it. And, uh, now that, this 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 building here and the property, the four acres roughly that it sits on, is for sale for eight hundred thousand dollars. Eight hundred thousand dollars is not, <laughs> not big money, right? Um, it was built, as I said, in nineteen sixty. So anyway, I I'm, was looking at it, and in light of you know we're doing this uh, homeschool co-op thing, and um, just you know what what could this what could this ultimately become? So I brought it over here. And I'm chatting with Jewel about it. Um, a couple of weeks ago so uh, I called Zillow to see if we could go take a look at it but unless you can show that you got six 800,000 sitting somewhere in a bank accounts uh, they're not too eager to uh, show you the property and that's understandable um, so I thought i hey, well, let's just go over there so Jewel and I jumped in the truck went over there and pulled up there's a car there and I had heard about this guy um, brother George brother George is my age um, he's Polish, he's a Capuchin, like I said, a brother. He's not quite a priest, not, he's not ordained in that level. Of the, uh, and and this building has been owned over the last number of years. It was first owned by the Ringling Brothers, then it was turned over, I think, in 1948 to the Capuchin Fathers. The Capuchin Fathers brought a, whole, a, a number of uh, men who had been imprisoned in uh, Dachau and in other Nazi concentration camps, and death camps and then where the fathers were brought over here and they they lived here for a number of years from about 48 to like the late 50s or something and then the place the place was completely abandoned and no one was there if you go by there it's uh, called the saint stanislaus uh, friary and it was the uh uh, it it was the place where these particular friars Basically, lived for a while. Today, the only guy that's on the property is Brother George. So, uh, so we, we go over, and I'm just looking around, and checking the place out, knocking the door, and nobody answers the door. So we're, Jewel and I are walking around, and uh, I go look at the front door. Hey, hey, look at that, it's open. So I open it up and walk in there, here comes, uh here comes Brother George, you know, out to meet me. And uh, I give him a Yakshimash, you know, so <laughs> a little, uh, little, little Polish contact right there, you know, that never hurts. And uh, so we start talking, and and, um, so I mentioned to him that we were thinking of this building as possibly like a school, and this guy lights right up. I mean, just like that would be an excellent idea. That would be now. This is this guy, um, Brother George, is a very learned man. I don't know what his actual educational credentials are, but he has—he knows European history, European philo- philosophy, like. So we're we're talking for a long, long time, a- and 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 he is loving this idea. And P- there have been a whole bunch of people who have looked at this property, come at it with a different with different kind of, uh, you know, concepts uh, as to uh, what they might want to do with it. But nothing has worked thus far. So the thing has just simply been up for sale for the last forty years, thirty, forty years. Um, Nobody has had a vision for it. You know, they the guy, the, the, the person who uh, started Skylands um, medical group here locally, and they, they've got a number of different, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Bonet, he was after it for a while and thought it would might make a rehab or something like that, but nothing has worked. And, and so there's just been the thing has just sat there. And um, so in going in there. Um, I wanted to see what kind of shape it was in because you figure anything that was probably built in 1916 has probably got some serious difficulties and problems and what have you, right? This place is built for 500 years. You you can't believe the condition that this thing is in. And we went downstairs and what is holding the building up are like four by four solid concrete pillars, th- and then the entire the entire building is poured concrete. So. Um, Again, when I'm upstairs, kind of like looking around and having done my share of framing and stuff like that, you know, I I would kind of be on the lookout for certain things, rafters and roofing and all that kind of stuff, which would be about the first thing that would, uh, you know, have you where you'd find some real problems. So we go up to the attic. I'll show you some of the pictures. Here, let me. uh That's the back. blue screen of death. Here's the great room, this gigantic fireplace back there. It, it's, it's incredible. Now, this, is, this, is a sl- this looks slightly nicer than it looks right now. These are pictures that were taken maybe, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago, something like that. But if the floors as you see them there, that's how those floors are. All three floors, you, you could walk in and refinish them, and they would look just fine. Um, it the, the place is just a little more disheveled and a little less cared for right now. I think we'll probably have some pictures of that. Okay, this is like uh, an upstairs, like it's like a library up there, which, um, just I'm telling you, just blow. Now you look at look at the 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 roof of that. That's all poured concrete. So it's not, you know, like I, I expected to walk around there and find like ceiling tiles all falling down. And, and where there are ceiling tiles, they are, are falling down. And where there is some sheet rock, it has, you know, it's a little bubbled up or what have you. But basically, the, the part that is structural to this building is incredibly solid. OK, that's, that's now. So that's a picture I took. And that's the back side of the building. That's, those are the, there's the rafters and the ridge. Is there a, yeah. Ridge, rafters, roof, solid concrete. This is the other, same thing, ridge, rafters, in perfect condition. Amazing. Amazing condition. Like, Here's um, the chapel. Brother George is up in this chapel every day seeking the Lord, spending his time and his devotions in prayer, receiving and uh, administering communion, Eucharist to himself. And it's, it's kind of like the fingerprint of the Lord has been on this place for a long, long time. Well, one thing that's really interesting, too, is that this is called the St. Stanislaus Friary. Okay? It is named after uh, St. Stanislaus, you would have... You won't be surprised to learn. Um, St. Stanislaus was a um, it's either a Czech or a Polish saint going back to the 1500s, right? I, I started reading up on his biography, but it turns out that his, his name was St. Stanislaus Koska, right? Now, my wife's maiden name is Koska, spelled exactly the same, K-O-S-T-K-A, which was like, I mean, that's not a name I've heard of. I heard of that. <laughs> but K O S T K A, and 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 she comes from a very Catholic family. Her father, her father was kind of like so kind of in the grip of his Catholicism that he never even would come to church. He just felt like it would be a violation, and that's kind of the way it was for that generation of Catholic people. They, you know, to go to come to a Protestant church would be like, uh, you know, like kind of walking into the enemy's camp or something like that. You know, that's just kind of the way it was. But the family uh, and. You know, they, they, there was, and and it, there probably is a, a th- throwback relationship back to this, you know, St. Stanislaus. Anyway, so, so this is a, uh, a chapel that's in there where God gets worshipped. There are crucifixes everywhere. You know, um, not that I'm, I'd be eager to keep you know, crucifixes in, in the typical Catholic tradition. But I mean, there's Jewel um, standing up there in the library. And uh, certain portions of this building, um, George explained to me, like up here, um, this this was made because the uh, Ringling Brothers were Freemasons, and there's a certain style of the way that that the building um, was used or made in order to house or accommodate a Freemason. So you you know that will bind that spirit in a hurry, and you know that that's. <laughs> but <clears throat> I'm you know I I don't I don't fear such things. You know what I mean? Like the presence of God comes in the presence of not god goes out yeah so you know so the presence of god is in this building but uh, that kind of stuff is interesting anyway here's uh some of the outside roof really not looking that bad some of them you know fascia and moldings and cornices and stuff like that obviously in need of some tlc now, there, there it is in all of its glory, probably when it was first built, right, for the Ringling Brothers way back when. And um, yeah, wow, right? So um, I don't know where this is going to go. I just figured, okay, if we're going to fast and we're going to pray and we're going to give, right, this, I think, would be something for us to begin to seek the Lord for. You know it, it is it's unfortunate that um the thing sits vacant, and the way it has been determined by the court, this guy, brother George, at the sale of the property now again their their um uh, price is eight hundred thousand dollars uh Brother George gets two hundred um, for his years of living there and caretaking and what have you and um uh <coughs> and the rest goes so I just figured. Well, let me go over and offer Brother George $200,000. Like, I'll have that in a couple of days, and we'll do the deal, and that'll be that. But there's also um, an interest on this by the the Polish Capuchin Fathers. uh, And at the moment, uh, George is rather persuaded that the Capuchin Fathers wouldn't just lay down and die on this, that they would want their piece of the action, although they do nothing there. They have no interest there. They are not involved there in any way only. Uh, this older guy George's but anyway I'm not sure exactly where to go with this I I just feel like this is something that this thing ought to be being used right this thing and and for us to think in terms of not only you know right now we've started this homeschool co-op which is one thing um, which I'm I'm very happy pleased with the way it's going there's there's uh, development that is uh, going to be needed as the uh, as the thing grows I could also see this being somewhat of like a uh, a local Bible-type college, right, or offering offering a series of courses where people could come who wanted to get, let's say, prepared for ministry. So we could have that kind of a, a school there, and that kind of a school I, I would think would be very, um, very beneficial and very useful. And uh, and we probably one of the one of the issues of, of actually starting a school, let's say, like an elementary school or elementary high school or something like that, is you come into a world of regulation. And like right now, this <coughs> you know th- this building it would ha- will it, it will need a lot of retrofitting. There is no heating system in here now. There's you know th- so there's a lot of things that would have to be um, upgraded and, and addressed. But it just reminds me of what this place was. I'm, the, I remember the day we walked in here, and I you know I, used to, I went by here every day. and saw the sign. And they wanted nine hundred thousand dollars for it, which we didn't have, and. Uh, but we were, you know, meeting in school. It's not like we were meeting or, or you know, like uh, to, to meet together was something that we just did for nothing. There was costs involved with all of it. So we came over here and we talked. I remember walking around this place and it was just like, I mean, the guy, the guy who built this place, same guy that built across street, fairytale forest, everything was like, like had his own little decorative touch on it. Things, things were painted. There was all very, very interesting work that, that was done here. But I just remember walking around this place and going like, wow. This really would make like a great place for us to have church. And at that point, if if you recall, like up there in the, uh, the that upper cabaret room up there, there's a there's a, like a, a lolly column in the middle of the room. And that lolly column, he had it all decorated. It was a tree. There were branches coming off of it and leaves and fruit and all kinds of stuff. And it was just t- typical. Not not one wall was painted, let's say, like painted like it is now. Every, every wall here was hand-painted. Hand-painted to make it, it because he just had its own artistic touch and and like this place reminds me of that you know it's like wow this place could really be something special um, and again it's it's it is designated a, a, an historical site um, so anyway um, as we launch into all of this let me uh, let me go into some of these uh, verses of Scripture and then we'll receive communion together With do do that. Ah. Probably got a little too much up here in terms of the. You know what's a hoot? I am always worried about whether or not I'm going to be able to fill up the time. (laughs) 30 years of doing this, okay? And I am always concerned about whether or not I'll have enough or I'm just going to stand there and run out of things to say. (laughs) I guess I'm just a slow learner, right? Okay. Okay, now again, um, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel again. Back to that idea of Jesus um, and what his message was. His message was the kingdom of God, not not the exaltation of Israel, but the kingdom of God, a, a new thing. And then... Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say unto you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota nor a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And he's pointing directly to this idea that the Pharisees were quite content with external righteousness to do the things that would be seen by people. And in being, being seen by people, that was, that was what they were after, and that was the reward, according to what Jesus says. And, but Jesus, of course, in, in all of the disciplines that he is um, speaking of, he's saying don't, don't do things to be seen of people. Do things to be seen by God when you give, when you fast, when you pray. Do those things to be seen by God and the Father who sees in secret. will reward you open in. Here's, here's a, like a sample of this um, sense of the upgrade of the, uh, of, of the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors the same? I remember the first year I taught in um, a Christian school out in Ohio. And um, the, the word in King James is publican, right? And so the, some kid was quoting, the, I think this was something that we were memorizing. He says, if you love those who love you, what, what, what reward do you have? Do not even the republicans the same? <laughs> 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 kind of Freudian. Slip. Um, if you uh, greet your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You must therefore be perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. So you see, you know, you heard that it was said of old time, but this I'm telling you uh, to move this thing forward. Um, next one then we have the next one having to do with praying. Same basic concept. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that will be, they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, and then he goes uh, into the Our Father. Let's see. Yes. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And then uh, finally the word on fasting. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, as your fasting may not be seen by others, but... By your father uh, uh, who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you and so obviously the guiding principle with all of this is the father who sees in secret will will dole out rewards appropriate.